0: Welcome, everyone, to the Podcast of Champions. I am not David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Together, we're the Podcast of Champions, but today, I am the Podcast of Champions. This is a solo edition, rare solo edition, of the POC. And My apologies, there's been so much breaking news going on trying to get David and my schedules to align up wasn't going to work, but we wanted to put something out there for a lot of you since we didn't do anything this week. And obviously Thursday, this is recording this Thursday night, uh, very big news day in the PAC 12. So I wanted to kind of give you uh, my thoughts on what was going on in the PAC 12 with some of the different reporting that's been going on with some great people out there the PAC, you know, covering the PAC 12, like John Wilner and John Canzano, but we also were on a zoom call today with uh Larry Scott and some other uh, factors in the Pac-12 talking about the return uh, of Pac-12 football this fall. So we'll get into all that. Also was on a a conference call with Mike Bone, the USC Athletic Director, and he shed a little interesting lights on some different topics as well. So there wasn't a ton of specifics as far as the schedule goes, but I want to give you guys all just kind of an overview uh, of where we are. But before we get into that, there's some other... Um, questions I guess you could say or just different topics we'll get to um, I want and we'll get in I'll get into everything that happened on the conference call but I want to give you kind of some of the the newsy items that were sort of going on like heading into this um, so one of the reports came out that uh, the PAC 12 CEO group CEO group had an informative and productive meeting uh, they're going to and that was after that was last week and then they were going to reconvene on Thursday September 24th to make a decision Regarding the possible return to play prior to January 1st. He said health and safety officials of our student-athletes And all those connected to the Pac-12 sports will continue to be our number one priority in all of our decision-making So that was the Pac-12 statement uh, last week when the CEOs met, but they didn't have a They didn't have a vote and that was kind of the big issue, but they they postponed everything till Thursday and today was the day we thought everything was going to happen um, one of the big issues was uh, California and, and the governor Gavin Newsom, we talked about this last week, came out and said, uh, you know, they weren't going to be impede college football from happening in the Pac-12, but they weren't going to back off the the 12-person cohort thing. They wouldn't allow gatherings of more than 12 people. And then earlier today on Thursday, John Wilner broke the news, and he said that now the California would, but talking to sources at USC, that still seems to be an issue. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, As of now though, I talked to to Mike Bone about this Uh, USC at least and I believe UCLA and Cal and Stanford are not allowed to have gatherings uh, of more than 12 people there might have been an increase to like 25 but not full-on practices like the 49ers can do and the Rams can do and uh, The Chargers can do the big issue for me on that is testing and now that they have daily testing available That should be able to be cleared. I think it's more of a logistical issue but as of right now the California schools still can't have full gatherings, but it seems like that's where we're going at right now. Then some weird news broke earlier today. The county of Boulder shut down all gatherings for college-age citizens for two weeks. So if you're between 18 and 22, you go to University of Colorado, you're not allowed to gather uh, for the next two weeks because they've had some spikes in, uh, in the COVID positive tests. So Colorado was one of those schools that was ready to go. or seemed like they were ready to go and practice. This sort of puts a, uh, a damper uh, on that a little bit. I did talk to Adam Munster-Tiger about that, and he told me he was hearing the football team is most likely going to leave Boulder to get work in for the next two weeks. They haven't had the details uh, conveyed to the team yet, but based on what he's heard, he'd be surprised if they stayed in town and like sat on their hands for the next uh, 14 days. So that was a weird kind of breaking thing that was happening heading into the CEO meeting um but the the positive thing was what uh john Wilner reported that looked like the um the california officials were going to allow uh the cohorts to grow more than uh 12 people if you were reading some of the columns this past week a lot of criticism uh, of larry scott which you know makes sense there was a lot of critical remarks a lot of it stemmed from the great john Wilner report about the pac-12 bonuses so they were supposed to be paid these bonuses September, they were moved up a few months. Um, now there were some benefits that some of these players that were going to get uh, furloughed or laid off were going to get their bonuses early, and they would get them before they were laid off, and that was nice. But it sort of just seemed like a a bit of an empty gesture. I think Wilner gave uh, Larry Scott some credit for that. Some of the other reporters, like Pete Thamel and John Canzano were still very critical. Thought it was it wasn't very helpful at all. Because the executive bonuses, uh, starting with Larry Scott, about $2.5 million, there was about $4 million in executive bonuses. And, you know, you could argue that's like 40 employees that you could have kept on. And there was a lot of issues with, you know, some of the employees got laid off, which was better because you got some kind of settlement package. The furloughed, empl- the furloughed employees, uh, there was a lot more issues with that. So a lot of criticism of Larry Scott. You, I would definitely recommend checking out some of the columns that were written this past week. but. You know, obviously that's going to be swept all, all crazy going on now because of uh, uh, the real news. Uh, September 3rd was the day that the testing announcement for rapid testing came about. And the problem is, in some of the columns we read, I read about earlier today, a lot of the coaches were taken aback. They were floored by this. And, and Larry Scott knew about it. I think Canzano, uh wrote that. Um, basically, he wanted to break the news himself. And he didn't let the colleges know that this rapid testing was coming, so it was a surprise to everybody. But it didn't allow people to prepare, and that's something we'll talk about on the Pac-12 call. The lack of preparation, the lack of action from the Pac-12 after the rapid testing announcement was made, there really wasn't much progress made uh, until t- you know the the, P- the Pac-12 CEO meeting uh, today. So, um, you know, to me, Larry Scott was content starting late when the Big Ten was doing it and they weren't prepared to go earlier, but once the big 10 shifted, Larry Scott didn't shift himself. And, uh, and that kind of left the pac 12, uh, lagging behind. And so we'll see where that with theirs, the the pac 12 network, um, is is in a weird state right now. They did broadcast the, uh, CEO, I mean the uh, webinar today live, but there's really no producers right now. It would've been great to have some studio shows and things like that. But, you know, guys like Mike Lamb and the, most of those people were all laid off or, or furloughed and, uh, that the games themselves should be okay. I think this was a John Canzano report, because um, many of the, PAC, the, 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 con- the people that work on the game days are contractors. So, they contractors they weren't impacted by the layoffs as much. Um, right now, though, if you turn on the Pac-12 network, they're just showing old games, and uh, the ticker hasn't even been updated. Because I, I, I mean, this might have been John Wilner, said that the, the ticker guy was also let go. So. You have a ticker that's like days old because they haven't been able to do that. So there's some weird stuff going on in the Pac-12 network. And just watching the Zoom call today, there was like six people on it. You're like, how many other people are left uh, in the conference? Um, So we talked about the bonuses a little bit. Um, We do know as far as bowl games go, some news came out today as well, that the NCAA Football Oversight Committee is recommending that all teams are eligible for bowl games this season. And And bowl games can be played as early as December 1st. Now, with everyone going until late December with their regular season, or at least until like December 12th or 5th, and then um, championship weekend, which a lot of, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is going to really be a regular season uh, game weekend with all the other teams outside of the conference championship game. uh, I don't see why you could have a bowl game that early, but that's what the oversight committee recommended. But really it's important that, you know, say uh, Stanford goes three and four well, do they make a bowl game? Well, yeah, they can make a bowl game now. So they're going to remove that uh, eligibility requirement. And uh, if someone tweeted out to and I, I apologize, I don't remember the reporter, anyone that had a, uh, a clause in their contract, any coach that if you become bowl eligible, you get a bonus to so those coaches. all get bonuses now because basically everyone is bowl eligible. So a bowl can pick you, even if you're 0 6, at least that's the rec- recommendation from the football oversight committee. Um, from the Stanford side, Uh, RG Abadia wrote a really interesting article and you go check it out on the bootleg uh, earlier this week. Um, Basically what he, you know, he's saying that the Stanford football players were sent an email before where they were quote encouraged to find off-campus housing and in the article it was going to be paid for by the student athletes. So like at USC athletes are back uh, They're in they're in their housing and it's being paid for by the school where Stanford, uh, and according to RJ's article, they really wanted to keep the student athletes and the regular students uh, together, and they didn't want to separate them in any way. So if football players came back, they'd have to find their own way around there. So, so places like Stanford, they're gonna to have to ramp up to get into this, uh, the 20 hour work week stuff. And obviously they still have the local uh, issues with Santa Clara County and the state of California, but Stanford's gonna to have to, a little bit more work to do to kind of get up to speed. But i definitely check out that that article. Um, So Kyle Bonagora also tweeted that Stanford submitted its plans to the county um, as far as Santa Clara County. So it looks like they're moving forward, but programs like that, where like Utah and and Colorado, at least until this latest ordinance came out, they were more ready to go in places like Stanford uh, have a little bit more work to do. And uh, also uh, Mike Bone, uh, the USC athletic director, he did give a lot of credit, to the USC players that wrote that letter to Gavin Newsom that we talked about. And it's sort of, it seemed like it was the catalyst uh, to kind of put the governor of California on the spot and sort of get this ball rolling. So um, Mike uh, uh, John Wilner agreed uh, with that, that it really pushed things forward. It seems like it did. And by pushing those things forward, it seemed to alleviate some of the concerns and that's what happened in the in the CEO meeting today. So what happened in that CEO meeting? Well. First, we're going to have Pac-12 football. It will be a seven-game conference-only schedule starting November 6th, which is Friday, and the rest of the games will be that weekend. Seven weeks to play seven games, and they will be five division games. Everyone will play the five division games. There will be one crossover game, and we do not know the details of that crossover game as of now. Uh, Michael Castillo, who covers uh, USC for Reign of Troy, had an idea where why don't you have it a reverse seeding? So the, the number one seed from the North will play the number six seed from the South from last year and, and kind of do a reverse round robin, I guess, or whatever you'd say with that. So number two from the North plays number five from the South and vice versa. So you don't have the the the, the reigning champs from each division having to play a really tough crossover game. And Kyle Pornogoro actually called in on the, and asked about it. The crossover game will count in the standings. So to win the PAC 12, that crossover game counts. We saw what the SEC did. Alabama had to get two extra conference games. Georgia had to get two extra conference games. The other two favorites. They got two cupcakes. They weren't, you know, they didn't give, they didn't put Florida on Alabama's schedule or they didn't put LSU on Georgia's schedule. Um, They got like Kentucky and, you know, they, they, they got the easier games and you're trying to protect the best teams. And I think that's the same thing. I don't want Oregon to have to play like USC or Arizona State or Utah. I want them to play like Arizona or something. Uh, Just, you know, Arizona, obviously, they beat Oregon. They have a chance to win, but you don't want to put the two best teams in the conference going against each other. Um, So we don't know, though, what uh, is going to happen as far as that goes. We do know, uh, and then, so there'll be seven games. And then on that championship weekend, whoever, you know, has the best record from the North and the South, uh, of those six games that you play with the five conference games and one crossover, they'll be the two number one seeds and they'll play each other uh on a friday december 18th on uh so that championship weekend but the rest of the weekend the other teams can play as well so they'll get a seventh game they didn't announce it but we assume it's going to be big 10 style where number two from the north plays number two from the south number three from the north plays three from the south all the way down to six and uh, that would probably make the most sense um so we assume but they didn't have any details on the schedule and Anytime we asked anything like that, uh, they weren't really sharing any anymore. So I think they're still trying to determine that, but that seems the way uh, that they're going. There won't be any fans. So we know that uh, at least until January 1st. So no fans uh, will be allowed uh, at the games. Um, In the release, it said, in the sport of football, Pac-12 universities with the necessary public health approvals may commence practice immediately with a seven-game conference-only season to begin on November 6th and the Pac-12 championship game on December 18th, enabling Pac-12 teams to be considered for the college football uh, playoff selection committee. The football schedule will be released in the coming days. So a couple of things there, you can start practice right away as long as you're cleared uh, locally by health officials. So Colorado can start practicing at least if they go to another, uh, another county. Um, the California schools, from what I've understood, talking to different sources, uh, and what Mike Bone had, had said, they are not cleared. The cohort, cohort issue has not been cleared as of yet. So that's still something that's being worked out. But soon, if it is, they can still go through with their uh, smaller workouts, but they can't do the full team kind of stuff, which really when you're doing your 20-hour work week, there's a lot of that uh, coming into play. They could do full team conditioning workouts and agility drills and things on the field, like these walkthrough sort of things where you're working with position coaches, all that stuff would be okay. But right now it's not in California. My understanding is if it's cleared at the state level, most likely the local, it'll be cleared. I know in LA County it will be cleared. I believe in Santa Clara County and Berkeley, uh, it would be as well. So, um, and I think Oregon is, is, has pushed through that. So it's, uh, it's not everyone on the same page yet, but they should be able to start um, pretty soon. Most likely, the camp aspect would start uh, early October, um, and then you'd have a month to get ready uh, for the you know for the start of the college football season. Um, as far as the college football playoff committee goes, uh, yeah, they're they're going to be eligible for that. There's no uh, Larry Scott's on that management committee for the college football playoff. All of the conference commissioners are. We'll get into some of what he said about that in a little bit, but. Basically, there was a, a sense that he said there's no minimum number of games. So even though the Pac-12 would only be playing seven games, that doesn't exclude them from consideration. But there's all these factors going to come into play. Um, it, it doesn't seem very likely at this point that even a 7-0 and Pac-12 team uh, would make it in. But, you know, we don't know. But there's, you know, there's a lot of we don't know right now. But there's there's no uh, technical reason why a Pac-12 team couldn't uh, be selected so and what like they said we'll know the schedule in the coming days um there's a there there's going to be daily antigen testing so that's the rapid testing stuff that's the uh you know the big announcement that came on september 3rd but they're also going to do weekly pcr testing uh and they'll if anyone tests positive they'll do a pcr test afterwards and any and they'll also do any positive tests they'll be cardiac monitoring so I tried to read up, John Wilner tweeted out some good information on the tests. I'll give you my quick kind of thoughts on the testing real quick. So essentially, from from the papers I've read, the antigen testing is this faster, rapid testing. Uh, You can administer it, you know, multiple per day. Uh, You know, Mike Bones said that they could do 30 to 50 in an hour with the machine that they already got delivered. They're still getting up the speed on the machine, so they, they can't do it yet. But 30 to 50 tests in an hour and you get the results in 15 minutes. Uh, the, the benefit of that is how rapid you can do the test. The PCR testing, if you wanted to do like absolutely is there a you know a more viral load or not, you know is it positive or not? The PCR testing, a lot of people say it's the gold standard, but it takes longer and you're not going to administer it as often. And I definitely saw in the paper I saw from John Wilner that he tweeted out, I, I forget the doctor that was talking about this, but they show the sort of viral curve. And even though the PCR testing will catch uh, the virus sooner, as far as like, if you're infected or you're exposed, the virus takes a while to build up and build up that viral load. If I tested, uh, you know, within hours of being exposed, the PCR test would click as a positive, where the the antigen tests would not. But within a few hours or, you know, half a day, the antigen test would catch it it's just in the very beginning as the viral load grows, it will turn a positive on the PCR test before the antigen test. But by testing every day, you actually get a much better and more accurate result with the antigen test because you're going to know what's going on. You might not do that PCR test every three days or every seven days. And really that window that you're shooting for when the PCR test would show positive and the antigen test wouldn't is hours. So by just testing every day, you're going to figure out what's going on a lot faster with the antigen test, but they will verify it with a PCR test after you test positive. And then they will do the cardiac monitoring just to make sure for the myocarditis stuff. So that's sort of the testing uh, protocol of what they're going to do. But um, really, I, I'll have to, I think I tweeted out the paper on the uh, Podcast of Champion um, Twitter page, you know, uh, Podcast of Champions Twitter page. Check that out. But it was really interesting to see just how much daily testing helps because you really want to remove anyone that tests positive from the population and by testing every day you really limit the fact that they could go out and, and infect anyone else and that's really what it is you don't want someone walking around this is a virus that it's different because the asymptomatic uh, or pre-symptomatic cases are you're still contagious and that was spreading so you had people out there that weren't sick that were spreading the virus by testing every day, you basically eliminate that, or or re- significantly, like ninety-eight percent or whatever, reduce it. So that's where I think the the, the conference feels pretty good, even though they're going to try to squeeze seven games in seven weeks. By everyone testing daily, it's going to make a big difference in in the spread. So uh, I thought that was interesting, and like I said, practice can can begin immediately uh, for all the schools as long as they get approval from local health officials. Uh, he was asked about which you know health officials uh, were allowing practices in which weren't, he wasn't getting into specifics, uh, in that, but a lot of positive, um, information came out from different, uh, you know, from the different athletic directors across, everyone seemed to be on the same page in this one. And, uh, if you were following along three o'clock, uh, was the time that the meeting was supposed to start. And I think John Wilner broke that news and five o'clock was going to be the, uh, uh the, the media call. And I think about 3.15, 3.30, I email a PAC-12 representative about is there going to be a call at five? And uh, she would not confirm. She said that nothing has been confirmed yet. But within like 15, 20 minutes, they actually sent out a media release that uh, there was going to be a call. Then the reporters started breaking. There was going to be a season. It was going to be November 7th weekend. And then actually the PAC-12 released a statement that I just uh, kind of went over. Those were kind of the main points of that. And then we waited around for an hour or so for the uh webinar the the media webinar and they actually broadcast that on the pac-12 network and who was involved um well before you know before we get into that but i didn't really go over to the top i'm not gonna take any questions today this is going to be an abbreviated show i just needed to kind of share all the breaking news with everyone all of our listeners and dave and i'll come back and we can have some reaction to all of it but I, this was just more of an informative uh podcast no disney princesses no uh civil war talk or anything like that Um, and I'm not going to take any questions or anything, so we won't be doing the, uh, Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docu-series. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Quit as a roommate. It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. And I, I know we got a lot of um, questions in our email box and I'm sure we're gonna get more. So Dave and I will probably, hopefully early next week, we'll be able to come back and uh, and do a show. But why don't we, uh, I think we're gonna take a quick break now. Before we do that, I wanna let everyone know about uh, my bookie. They've been working with us again this year and uh, we love working with them. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know the NFL is back and NBA playoffs are in full swing, which can only mean one thing, it's winning season at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is ten times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup. Sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. You know, I like to bet on the Pac-12 teams. Now we're going to get a chance to do that uh, at least in November. Regardless, uh, whether you're betting, uh, you've been betting for years, or this is your first time uh, bookie, you know, betting, my bookie is your best bet for the season with the biggest online selection of bets and props. They made it simple to win and easy to withdraw your cash right now. They have a $100,000 super contest for only 10 bucks an entry, and they're giving away 5000 in cash prizes every four weeks. So you'd be crazy not to invest in your sports knowledge with the kind of potential return on your investment. $10 to win thousands? Sign me up. You should sign up too. Uh, you can do that. You can sign up at bookie. Just use the promo code PAC12 and claim your 100% deposit match all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you put in $100, they will give you another 100 uh, if you put in 500 they'll give you another 500 up to a thousand dollars It's an easy way to jump start your bankroll nfl nba major league baseball and now pac-12 football they're all gonna be on tap it's not too late to get started on your winning season exclusively at my bookie and i'm so excited dave and i are gonna be able to make our picks again um which you know we were we really like doing that there aren't gonna be as many picks but we're gonna start making our picks uh, and we'll do all the previews and all that kind of stuff coming up so we're happy the off season is coming to an end and we're gonna take a quick break, come right back and I'll tell you what happened in that Pac-12 webinar. All right, we're back here on the Podcast of Champions, or not we, I'm back. Uh So like I said, we'll have David Woods coming back on the show early next week and we'll get some reaction maybe he'll do a solo podcast as well that would take some work and you know that's not really in david's wheelhouse um yeah it's getting to be 9 p.m on a thursday i had to do so there was it was weird because the pac-12 had their announcement uh and you know their webinar was at five o'clock and then i got a a notification that usc was going to do their webinar with mike bone at six o'clock so that was another hour and then I had to do a USC podcast uh, with Keely Yore. You can check that out on Um, and get that going. And then, because David couldn't do it tonight, and I, I'm not going to be able to do it tomorrow, or at least later on, I need to do this show. Uh, so this will be going uh, late in the evening. But we you know, wanted to get you guys something. We haven't done anything this week. And there was enough, obviously enough news going on and enough exciting news that's packed with football that we wanted to put something out there. So I apologize we don't have our regular banter, but... Uh, At least this will be hopefully informative for you guys and then, uh, you know, send in your questions, uh, what you like, what you don't like about this, and Dave and I will do our best to uh, answer it on the next show. Okay, let's get to the PAC-12 meeting. So who is on it? We had Larry Scott, of course, PAC-12 commissioner. You had Michael Schill, who's the president of the University of Oregon. He's also the chair of the CEO group. So he's a leader of the meeting that they had today. Uh, Ray Anderson, you know him as the athletic director. At Arizona State, and then Dr. Doug Ackerman. Uh, so he's Oregon State's Senior Associate Athletic Director, uh, but he's also the chair of the PAC 12 Student Athlete Health and Wellbeing Initiative. Very informative. I heard him on uh, John Canzano's podcast talking about uh, a lot of this uh, pandemic stuff, and he's, he's very informed. And uh, I think he was a, a great addition to this call. So I'll go over some of the notes I took uh, from the call. First off, uh, you know, Larry Scott kind of gave his like, you know, boring, whatever, just like, here's what we're, you know, health and well-being, blah, blah, blah. There was just sort of like a blah, blah, blah opening, nothing like real um, groundbreaking coming out of what Larry Scott had to say, which he seems to do that a lot, where he just kind of talks and there's not really any uh, meaning of what's coming out there. But Dr. Show probably put the first tweet-worthy uh, comment of the the call, where he basically said it wasn't about the money. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about what's changed, you know, the daily testing was a big deal, uh, you know, understanding myocarditis and, um, you know, some of the local uh, officials being more reasonable and, and just, and the, you know, as far as the numbers of, of positive cases and many of the, uh, across the factual footprint, all of that stuff got better. So what Dr. Shea was saying is really all those factors went into them changing their mind and reversing their decision. Uh, but the, the what the interesting part was he said it wasn't about the money. And whenever someone says it's not about the money, you know exactly what it's about. It's about the money. Um, there were some questions to Larry Scott about, well, why are they doing this? I think now actually Dr. Schill, well, if it wasn't about the money, why is this only going to be football? And you know, he had a good point where the NCAA is the one they delayed the, the fall championships until the spring. Football is not controlled by the NCAA. So it, it actually allowed football to, go forward and, and and play earlier if they wanted to the other, there's not really an option in the other fall sports because the championships removed, you could play now, but your championship would be, uh, in the spring and basketball, uh, will be able to start November 25th. So there was an announcement, uh, with that as well, but we're not a basketball podcast and, uh, we'll let David talk about that if he wants to at a later date, but he said that they, they went over a lot of the pros and the cons of playing now in the fall and playing in the winter. And there was just a lot more pros, uh, you know, just more beneficial to play in the fall than the winter. They wouldn't come out and say, you know, having the Big Ten go on there, you know, playing earlier was a a big factor, but obviously it was. I mean, you can't be the only Power Five conference that wasn't going to play. So that was a big, big con, I would say, on the pros and cons list, uh, playing in the winter. There was, you know, really trying to get out there, being a part of the college football playoff discussion at least, Being, you know, eligible for a New Year's uh, Six Bowl that would, you know, a lot of money would be available there. Just being in the college football playoff mix, there's a lot of money at stake for the conference. So I don't buy that it wasn't about the money. I think a lot of those pros and cons, money was involved in that, but just like the reputation of the conference. And as, you know, as I was recording the USC podcast, the Mountain West came out and they're going to play as well. They're starting two weeks earlier. So they're starting October 24th. Uh, two, a couple of weeks earlier than the Pac-12. That's interesting. Uh, and, but there's a caveat there where, you know, they need approval from uh, local uh, governments as well. So I think there'll be even more pressure on the state of California to uh, push through with that, you know, now that the Mountain West wants to play as well. So the San Diego States and Fresno States and San Jose States of the world, they want to get out in the practice field too. And they're going to be under that same, uh, you know, working on those same conditions that like USA, UCLA, Cal and Stanford were. Um, But yeah, so pros and con lists, the pros were a lot more favorable for the fall. And so that's where they went. It was a unanimous vote, like we said. um, And so I thought that was interesting. Uh, Oregon President Michael Schull also said they didn't vote last week. The CEOs didn't vote because they wanted to talk to students and faculty. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it's good that they were going to sort of get more feedback. I really feel this was a failure on Larry Scott's part, not following up on the big news that you know it was big news the antigen testing the daily testing the deal with quadell i think that was a big deal but they just didn't take advantage of it and i feel like the they they felt comfortable delaying the season and they felt comfortable having the big 10 as a partner once you knew the big 10 was going to go forward uh, or to try to go forward that's where i feel the big failures were for the pac-12 so yeah that's nice you can talk to students and faculty but If you had your ducks in a row, you could have voted last week and, you know, maybe you got an eight game schedule in. Maybe that's the difference between like an Oregon making the college football playoff and not. We don't know at this point, but um, we praised, I I mean, there was a lot of praise for Larry Scott, the way they handled it. It was a united front and there was a a united front again today, but it was a pretty chaotic couple of weeks uh, since that, that, you know, the antigen testing was announced. And once you saw that the big 10 was pushing forward, there was just no movement with the Pac-12. And I think that was a failure because they could have helped with the local health health officials. Um, Ray Anderson had an interesting uh, comment where he said, like everyone says, they're focusing on the health and safety of student athletes, but he said including mental health. And he didn't go into more details on that. And I'm going to try to see what else I can find out about it. But to me, that was a lot about, it's tough on these players to watch you know, their counterparts in other parts of the country play and them not. And, you know, you could argue, are the players safer when they're on campus versus if they're home with their families? It obviously depends on what their behavior is, but I would feel safer if I was in an environment where I'm getting tested daily and, you know, everyone around you is tested daily. So I'm probably not going to be bumping into anyone that's, uh, you know, positive for the virus because if they tested positive, they would be, you know, quarantined and taken out of the, you know, they wouldn't be in that same area I was in. But I really think the mental health is a under, you know, reported underrated part of this. Um, you know, there's a routine for these college football players and, you know, we talked to some players that just, it was tough to watch college football games and not be a part of it. I think it was tough on the big 10 players and you heard their outcry and and we heard some of the the Pac-12 players and, and what they were able to say and the letter they wrote to Gavin Newsom and all that. Um, so yeah, I think the mental health aspect of this was important. They knew the players wanted to get back out there and if they can do it safely and they can feel it's actually safer for them to do it. Uh, I think that was a factor you had to consider, which I don't think we heard anything about that before. I, I, I apologize. I wish it, we would have got some follow-up on that, but I think the mental health aspect uh, was important. Um, so Dr. Doug uh, Ackerman for Oregon State, he said that the Pac-12's robust testing uh would make, and the quote was, makes uh, cardiomyopathy, so that, that's the myocarditis stuff, if I believe, something we can help manage. And um, knowing that you're going to test those guys every day, knowing that you're going to do uh, you know, cardiac screening on everyone, it just didn't seem like the myocarditis stuff was a, a deal breaker. It was a big unknown, uh, and I think that was a factor in the last decision, but now I think they feel a lot more comfortable. They don't feel like it's going to be this lasting thing that anyone that gets the co you know, some athlete tests positive for COVID they're, they're really risking, uh, their health. I think if they know there's any kind of cardiac element or cardiac, you know, um, enlargement, they can, uh, you know, be quarantined longer They they don't have to participate in any kind of workouts, things like that. So they feel like they can mitigate that risk. I think that was a big part of it too. Um, as far as the college football playoff committee, Larry Scott was sort of pressed on this a couple of times and, um, Andy Staples from the athletic was, uh, he was on them pretty good. And the, the first question was about, you know, are you going to push for an expanded college football playoff? And Larry Scott is on that management committee. He said they were committed to the traditional college football dates. Um, you know, he, he re, you know, emphasized that there's no minimum number of games for Pac-12 to be eligible. Um, he said it's a committee's job to pick the best four teams. There's more intricacies this year, including, you know, games could can be canceled, player eligibility. Like, you know, what if Trevor Lawrence is uh, quarantined for a couple weeks and, and Clemson loses a game? Do you keep him out of the playoff? But do you think they're one of the best teams? Because Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. So he felt there was a lot more that went into it. Um, and it's going to be up to that group of experts to pick which teams are the best for teams. But Andy Staples um, grilled them saying, you should be the biggest advocate for expanding because the PAC 12 is playing less games. There's no out of conference games and they've missed the playoff the last three years. And Larry kind of kept the, you know, told the company line, he said that quote, there's no serious momentum or discussion on college football expansion. And, but there should there be. And I, I, I feel like what he was saying was there's just so much going on. So many changes going on. We didn't want to like add to it, but I feel like you would have, you could have made things a lot better by, you know, how much work is it to say, let's go to eight, you know, and every, every, so every conference winner gets in and then we'll pick three other ones. Uh, uh, And I think, you know, you could get a UCF in there. You could, you know, it doesn't matter that Oregon or USC or Utah or Arizona state or Cal or Washington, whoever, if they win the Pac-12, they're in, in the playoff. Maybe they get boat raced by Alabama in the first round, who knows, but at least you'd get in and, because it's just not going to be an equal playing field. There's some conferences playing an out-of-conference game, some conferences playing more or less. Um, so, I don't know. I, it would make sense to me, but Larry Scott, was—it just he said there was no discussion about that, which that's one of those things where you would let want Larry Scott to say. He said behind the scenes, they're like pushing for things. He wants the, the Pac-12 to be included. But I think that's one of those things you can come out and say, I think we should expand the playoff. And you would get a lot, you know, Larry Scott doesn't have a lot of friends in the media. Uh, A lot of people would back him if he came out and said that, like, we need to expand the playoff for this year. Uh, I think that would be an effective strategy. That's not his style, whatever. Um, Michael Schill also said uh, the Quidel test was necessary, but not sufficient uh, as far as local governments loosening restrictions. So there was some pushback to Larry Scott about, hey, why did you guys sit on your hands after September 3rd? and not push some of the local governments. And so Michael Shill was saying that it wasn't just about rapid testing, that there was more pieces to the puzzle that needed to come together before they could have come to this conclusion that they could safely play. But even though you saw the other conferences going back to play, to me, the most important aspect of this was the daily testing. And you look at the California um, NFL teams, that have the exemption that they're allowed to practice. Um, What was the big deal? Well, you don't want them to go out and be uh, a drain on, uh, you know, public health by having them practice football and then go out and get people sick because they're not in a bubble. They're out in society as well, but because they're going to be tested daily, that's how you mitigate that risk. Once the PAC 12 was going to have daily testing, it would be on the same playing field as what the NFL... Now, I know it's professionals versus amateurs, but you don't care if you're going to catch COVID from a professional football player or amateur football player. It's the same. By testing daily, that's how you mitigate the risk. So to me, that was a little disingenuous. The pac could have pushed faster for this. Uh, they could have talked to the state of California. They could have talked to the state of Oregon to push this through once they had the daily testing. And um, it's funny, Mike Bone on his conference call had a sort of little throwaway line where when he was praising uh, the letter that the uh, the players sent Gavin Newsom, he basically insinuated and said that um, that allowed, you know, at before Gavin Newsom wasn't taking Larry Scott's calls. And after the letter, he was. And that sort of, you know, put it out there, uh, obviously the social media pressure, if there was just a, a snail mail letter from some players to the governor, no one would care. But it was out there. All of the the media in the Pac-12 were talking about it. It put a lot of pressure on Gavin Newsom and his office saying, you're the reason why West Coast football is not going to happen. And he was like, whoa, 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 back off. Um, so I feel like that, he did, that did grease the wheels a little bit. That did sort of um, push things through. Uh, but as far as could they have done things sooner, I don't know if it was what Mike Bone said that Larry Scott you know, couldn't get Gavin Newsom to pick up the phone. I don't think they really reached out. Uh, and 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 I think the, the governor of Oregon said as much. So, yeah, I feel like the Pac-12 could have done more, especially knowing that Larry Scott knew about this, the rapid testing before it was announced on September 3rd. You could have been working behind the scenes on that. So I, I feel like that was a missed uh, opportunity. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Michael Show also said, you know, he kind of warned everybody, look, uh, if this is not sustainable, we're going to stop playing. If there's, you know, they didn't have any kind of numbers as far as like roster spots or position groups or whatever, but he made it pretty clear they could stop playing at any time. And he was talking about stop playing and then mentioned like pausing later, but really shutting it down. So uh, it didn't seem like, you know, that maybe one of the caveats was the CEOs were like, look, We'll start, but if stuff goes crazy, uh, shit hits the fan, we're going to stop. So he he mentioned that a a few times. So that's something to watch out for. Like if there are, uh, you know, like you have a team like Houston that hasn't played a game yet of Virginia Tech. If something like that happened in the Pac-12 after a week or two, you might see it all get shut down. So I'm curious to see uh, where that goes. Um, I think I mentioned before, like Larry Scott was asked, which schools could practice now, which couldn't. He didn't mention anyone by names, but just said that each had to be each program had to be cleared by its own local and state officials. So we already knew that. Um, as far as the schedules go, uh, he was asked about like, hey, no fans, could you have a 9 a.m. game? Um, and I think what people are clamoring for is what the Pac-12 is good at, the Pac-12 after dark, because there's just not a, as many late games uh, now. Maybe there will be more. Doubt the SECs coming back in the fold, but the pac twelve missed on the late night. Uh, TV crew, especially on the East Coast. So he said they were open to most anything on the schedules. They haven't worked it out. They're still working with the TV partners. He said the TV partners have been very uh, patient with them, had some exciting ideas. I think he said some surprises. Um, so they could do a lot with that. And uh, you know we'll see. They might We might see a bunch of different game times. Um, curious to see how that all works out. But they seem to be open to that on schedules. Um, so Ray Anderson commented on that seventh game. Now again, they didn't give any uh, specifics of how it would work, but basically it's the Pac-12 championship weekend and the Pac-12 championship game was gonna be December 18th, but that weekend would be the rest of the games as well. And the Big 10 is doing, like I said, they would have the South number two versus North number two, South number six versus North number six, all of that. Uh, They didn't announce that, but that's the implication of what's going to happen. And he said, you know, getting that extra game in on championship weekend, you know, certainly will help with the college football playoff consideration, but also for bowl consideration. And I don't think, because the bowl announcement just happened. It could have been an opportunity for a team to get above 500, you know, go from three and three to to four and three, but you know, it really is a, a chance to get that extra win and 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 make a and make a bowl game. So maybe that helps if you're a a five and two team and. You get in, you get picked for a ball over a, a six and four team or whatever. I don't know; it's hard to say, but it would it, it's going to help out to have that extra game. So that's what they did. That um, and let's see what else. So we talked about the Larry Scott, uh, you know, not leading the discussion for the playoff. He said people are very comfortable and thought it was appropriate sticking with the format we have for this year. And it's just, I agree with Andy Staples. He needed to be pushing this narrative, and comfortable is not what you need to be. And here the Pac-12, like, if you can expand, I mean, that could be a national championship for one of your teams if you just get an opportunity. The odds of getting a team in the college football playoff as of now are not very good. So it, to me, that's a failure by Larry Scott. He needed to push that narrative. And, you know, maybe he did behind the scenes, but he could have done it more publicly. And I think there'd be a lot. I mean, who's going to say, no, nah, we want a smaller college football playoff. People want a bigger playoff. Uh, the whole Pac-12 would obviously want one because you get an opportunity at least um the uh there was talk about that crossover game they didn't get any specifics about who it would be and you know i mentioned you'd rather have it be a benefit to the better teams that you know not trying to schedule the toughest crossover game give them a a better chance to get a win um but that will count towards your division winning the division so i know kyle bonagora was tweeting out he asked this question Um, he was curious about that and he felt like, I think he told, he said that the momentum was going towards not having that game count and Larry Scott said they debated it, but in the end they wanted all the games to count. And so it will count now that makes the selection of that crossover game, all that more important because it's going to be a competitive advantage. And, uh, say you have two teams that are like fighting for the division and say it's Washington and Oregon, or I don't know, uh, say Cal and Oregon, whatever it is. And Cal uh, plays Utah, and Oregon plays Arizona. Well, you know Cal's got to play the defending champ and of, of the South Division, and um, you know Oregon doesn't. <laughs> They're playing a team that's, you know, finishing five or six or whatever. I, I think that's uh, you know it's a competitive disadvantage, and and I, you know, but it's going to count. So hopefully they kind of pick this in a in, in more of a systematic way. Don't let it be random. Uh, you know, you don't want to say well, that's a better game for tv You want to try and give yourself at least a shot for that team to go undefeated. So at least in my opinion Um, so we'll see what they end up doing there, but we don't know that yet. We should know Um, you know going forward obviously in the next few days They should announce some sort of schedule and the last point I wrote down there was uh, larry scott was asked whether the uh, halloween games were considered, uh, and because some teams could play and I know John Cazzano and John Wilner were talking about the potential of a split um, schedule, a split start. I didn't feel like that was a possibility, but uh, those guys thought it was. He said they were committed to making sure that we had a full six weeks of ramp up before the first game. And so that ended up being the November 6th, November 7th weekend. But also, you know, you could give, if someone starts early, you give them a competitive advantage by having a bye week. Uh, who knows? Like, You could have, you know, what if Utah was ready to play? Could they have scheduled UMass or something? UMass is like a a free agent right now. They're just trying to schedule games. Um, I think BYU was still looking for some games. You could have had a couple of Pac-12 teams play like an out-of-conference game and just kind of get things rolling. But I think part of it was a competitive advantage. But really, and when we talked to Mike Bone, he uh, expressed this a lot, that really they, like, because USC was one of those schools that wanted to try to play early. And he he expressed that. He said, yeah, that was something we wanted to do. Uh, we wanted to play, um, early, but he said, you know, at the end, it was more about, uh, it was important that everyone was unified and we heard that from the presidents as well. There was this unification. We saw the big 10, there wasn't unification and uh, the Pac-12 they wanted that. So Mike Bone said he would have preferred, uh, Halloween, but uh, in the end it was more about unification. So they feel pretty comfortable about, uh. You know, of what they're doing. So, and, you know, part of it, I think the Big Ten, it had an a- impact on the student athletes. And I think when the presidents went and talked to the students and faculty, that could have been part of the mental health aspect that uh, Ray Anderson talked about. They got to watch these games. And I know we talked to some USC players on a, there was a Zoom call a few weeks ago and, you know, them watching games, uh, it was, it had an impact on them. And, uh, seeing that the, other once the big 10 switched, uh, you know, Mike bone said that they recognized that they were an outlier and that was something they wanted to rectify. And I think that became a big aspect of the whole pros, you know, and cons. Um, so yeah, that's about it from what we're going on there. There was also uh, Mike Bone did talk about working closely with uh, the UCLA athletic, athletic department. Uh, So Martin Jarman and him have a relationship from the past and they've worked together for the county guidelines in Los Angeles. So that's, you know, trying to mitigate uh, some of that and and allow things to open up a little bit. My understanding is LA County will just allow the USC and UCLA to do what they want as long as the state uh, approves it. So really the push right now is with the state government. And I think you're at least going to have, you know, Larry Scott being a bigger part of this uh, and it's not just the individual schools. So Now that the CEOs have decided they really need to get uh, everything working. So if, you know, if Colorado can't practice for two weeks, that's going to be a disadvantage. If USC and UCLA can't get out there and start doing their 20 hour a week stuff, that's a disadvantage. Uh, Stanford, Cal, same sort of thing. So uh, Oregon, Oregon State. So hopefully they'll be able to, you know, clear any of those hurdles. It looks like they're going to be able to and uh, start things rolling. The other thing he said, I, I think I mentioned is you know, at least the testing machines that they arrive. he said he thought between 30 and 50 tests per hour so it wasn't going to be you could test the whole team at once but over the course of a couple hours you could test the entire team and so that might be a little staggered thing where the offense comes in first and the defense later whatever it is but that daily testing once everyone gets ramped up i know the usc machine is there i'm not sure about the rest of the schools they didn't announce that on the zoom call but they did say it's gonna take a little while to get everyone up to speed because they want the test to be as accurate as possible. But having that on-campus daily test that you can turn around in 15 minutes really was you know, the biggest I think, catalyst for this, uh, for this whole thing. All right, well, that's about it. Uh, we're not gonna take a question. We'll try to, like I said, we'll do a, a show early next week. Uh, sorry, you just had to listen to me rant on there for what, well, almost 15 minutes. I can't believe my voice has held out this entire time. But that's basically what I learned today from the meeting, what I've been hearing from my sources and stuff. And uh, hopefully that gives you kind of a better idea of what's going on in the Pac-12 world going forward. We got Pac-12 football, everybody. We're going to be able to preview games. We're going to talk about games. We're going to pick games. It's going to be fun. So uh, there's a lot of Twitter comments about uh, David Woods being upset i I don't think he's upset uh that they're not going to have uh college football but um it'll be interesting to see uh where this goes because we have seen a lot of cancellations we've seen a lot of um uh you know postponements and stuff i don't know maybe we'll even make it to the season but i'm I'm optimistic i think they're going to do it and uh you know we'll just see going forward all right That's going to wrap it up. No David Woods this week. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast